This is the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, Wes McAdams, and on today's show, Sam Dominguez, James Sumners, and I discuss apologizing and forgiving one another. The sponsor of today's episode is Campaign Capitol Hill, which is a grassroots effort by Churches of Christ aimed at raising awareness in the Brotherhood on the fine line between politics and religion, preaching the gospel to our nation's leaders, focusing on repentance and God's standard of morality, and reaching lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You can find Campaign Capitol Hill on Facebook at facebook.com slash campaigncapitolhill or on their website at campaigncapitolhill.com. There you'll find more information on how to join the march for God's word. And now let's jump right into our discussion. So I, I did. I was wondering, but mm-hmm. uh, because you haven't necessarily been preaching uh, about forgiveness, what prompted uh, that tweet that you put out there that I ended up replying to? Oh, it actually it actually started with the conversation we had, obviously, because um, everything <laughs> everything always does. That's good um, to know because yeah. I I don't remember no, because we were talking about Malachi and he's sitting in the room with us. But uh, we were talking about I, my son. I was never talking about you, but I was probably talking about my son. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and we were talking about how Malachi one time the other day was feeling he was he got in trouble for something that he did, and and he was very upset by it, and um and so you know he he was just devastated by how how bad he felt about what he had done and the fact that he got in trouble and he he wasn't in that much trouble but he just was overcome with guilt, and I took him and I put him in my lap and I said I said buddy imagine everything that you've ever done wrong, written on a whiteboard, and in my eyes, I wipe it clean. I forgive you of everything that you've ever done wrong. Everything. It's gone. I, as far as I'm concerned, you've done nothing wrong. All I want from you is that you're, you're sorry for what you've done wrong and that you try your best to do better in the future. I said, because that's what God, through Jesus, has done for me, and so that's the way I want to treat you. I forgive you totally. And that was a moment where where it, I could see in his face, it changed everything because he was forgiven. And if we, I don't exactly remember what I tweeted the other day, but but it, if we would just, in, oh, I know what it was. We we always say to people, oh, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. Somebody apologizes to us and we say, well, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. But wait a second, what if it was a big deal? And why can't we look at each other and say, you know what, that was a big deal, but I love you and I forgive you. And I am not going to hold that to your account. I, I will not remember this wrong. I forgive you completely. Jesus has forgiven me, and I forgive you totally, completely, and it's like it never happened. Why are we afraid to say, I forgive you, and really mean it? Why, why do we feel the need to just just say, well, it, it's no big deal. Don't Don't worry about it. Yeah. And so not to start talking about ourselves in the third person, but I remember what I replied to that was that... Uh, for a lot of us, we we have somehow come to the conclusion that saying "I forgive you" is condescending, right? It, whether it's it's us saying it to someone else or having someone else say it mm-hmm. to us, we've gotten this goofy idea that it's a condescending position, and so we don't want to approach it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Well, it is it is condescending in the sense of it is speaking down to someone. But but we ought to realize, and we don't realize it, because I think we don't, we're not really apologizing. Apologizing, put yourself in a humbled position. It puts you in a prostrate position where you are at someone's feet begging for their forgiveness. But that's not how we really mean it. We really mean it, we're coming to someone as an equal and say, forget about it. We, we're hoping that's what they say to us. We're hoping they say forget about it, and we say, okay, good, that's what I wanted to do, let's just forget about it, rather than... I have offended you, and you have a right to take vengeance on me, you know, at the extreme. But, you know, you have the right to get even. 
but I'm begging you not to. I'm begging you to have mercy on me. And we don't really apologize. In our heart, we're not really apologizing that way. Well, so, and the question I would have is, are, are we called to apologize to each other or are we called to repent to each other? Mm. Because there's, I mean, especially if you look at our modern age, the apology has become an, an entire class unto itself of, I'm sorry you feel the way that you do. <laughs> I hope that you stop feeling that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's there's literally no no apology there. Mm-hmm. But but even if we do sincerely mean I am sorry that I hurt your feelings or something like that, we're not going so far as to say, and I commit to not do mm-hmm. this again mm-hmm. to you. I am sorry that I hurt you in this way, and I make a commitment now not to do this to you again. Mm-hmm. And we don't ever want to take it that far. You know, what we really want to say when when I apologize to you and you then uh, tell me that okay, everything's okay. What what we're saying is, are we cool? We mm-hmm. cool? Okay, we cool. And and then we go about right. our way. And yet, I haven't repented of what I did, and you haven't forgiven me. And of course, then the next time I do something against you, all the anger boils back up from the mm-hmm. previous thing because we never appropriately handled it, mm-hmm. and we haven't really forgiven that. You know, with our kids, I mean, we we model these things with our kids, and so many times we we at least I've gotten into a habit. In the past, what which I'm working on is um, when one of us does something wrong, we say, um, I'm sorry, and then the next person usually says, well, it's okay. And I mean, we've kind of talked about that already, but Bella is getting better at saying, I forgive you. Um, and, and I think that, like you said, it's important. It's not a... Because when we hear the word forgive... We almost think that it's like we've escalated what they've done to us to like murder or, um, I mean, maybe murder's too high, but you know, maybe something, something well, like we're making a mountain out of a molehill kind of a you've thing. You've made right. something bigger than it should be. And, and in the end, it's, it is bigger than, it, than we want to think of it. And we need to look at our, our problems with each other, maybe as bigger than we usually do. It's like, oh, it's not, it isn't a big deal because, oh, I, I just shoved you into the wall. Well, that's that's not a big deal. You'll recover. Um, We're talking about our kids still, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, the last time you did that. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, um, just the idea that we, we need to make sure that we really think of it in those terms, that we think of it, it is a big deal, or it's a bigger deal at least than we think it. Than we typically think of it as. To to get a little nerdy, um, the 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 word apology obviously is a transliteration of. I say obviously everybody knows that uh, <laughs> a transliteration of a Greek word, which I'm going to nod like I knew that, which yeah. means to make a defense. You know, so when we talk about apologetics, we're talking about making a defense for something, making a defense for Christianity. And it's funny that's exactly how we apologize. We don't. We're not really saying I am filled with sorrow. And that, that's what sorry would, would imply, is that we are filled with sorrow. I'm filled with sorrow, and I'm repenting of this, and I, I want to course correct and make a change in my life and in the way I treat you, and I'm not going to treat you that way anymore. That's not really what we're saying. We, we usually make a defense for ourselves, and we come to it and we say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I only did that because you did such and such. It's like, well, that's, that in a, in a true sense is an apology, it is a defense, but it's not repentance, and we need to repent, like you said. Well, I mean that's that's interesting because we're never we're never called to apologies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not even a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. But we're called to repentance. And mm-hmm. and but like James said, we we feel like that's making a bigger deal of it than it really is because we think of repentance and forgiveness in their most 
magnificent form, which is forgiveness for sin and repentance from sin. But that is supposed to model all of our interactions. And Absolutely. yet, you know, we'll come together and and I'll do something to cause pain or offense to you. And the question is, do I actually want to make a commitment to not do that again? Mm-hmm. Or do I just want to get back on good terms because it's uncomfortable being on bad terms with mm-hmm. you? You know, people notice if we're angry at each other. and Well, you guys aren't acting like your friends anymore. And then, well, so I need to go make it right mm-hmm. with you. And, and we've con- concocted all of these bizarre hoops that we jump through to try and really just brush things over. Just mm-hmm. keep keep that status quo back down. Rather than than being willing to commit to you, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it's so weird because we then let that encroach into our spiritual nature. Of course, this is all spiritual stuff too. It's all spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. But we let that encroach into our response to sin as well, mm-hmm. where I'm apologizing to God. I'm sorry I gave, got, made God mad. I'm sorry that God is disappointed, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go so far as to commit to God, make a commitment, I am not going to do this again. Yeah. And both in our interactions with people and our action with God, we get very presumptuous. And and we're almost more concerned about your responsibility to forgive than I am my responsibility to repent. And and we we understand that with other people dealing with us, but but for some reason we deal with people in the same way. So we go to somebody and we say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Not, will you forgive me? Will you have mercy on me? Will you show me grace? But forgive me. And then if they don't forgive us, then we say, well, you're wrong. You know, you should. And, and maybe maybe we're right. But the New Testament is so hard to, to explain sometimes because it almost, when you read it, you're supposed to read it looking for your responsibilities. But so often we look at, we read it looking for someone else's responsibilities. So when we read, judge not lest ye be judged, we say, see, you can't judge me. And it's like, well, no, no, it says you, you not judge. And so, so yes, I have a responsibility to forgive, but I also have a responsibility not to presumptuously go to you saying, you will forgive me. Um, I, I need to humble myself. And, and we do the same thing with God. We, we live presumptuously with him and we just presume, oh, I'll, I'll do this now. God will forgive me. He has to forgive me. I mean, he's he's a loving, gracious God. You know, that's how God, that that's his job is to well, forgive. I, I invoke my right of forgiveness. Right, exactly. You know, and, it, it, you know, it's it's calling parley with a pirate, right? Yes. You know, well, no, no I've done this now. So yeah. you you are completely obligated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it reminds me of, of looking at the word that's actually translated forgiveness. And uh, there's two primary ways that it's translated, and, and only one of them is is the the way we view it as the what God does, where He wipes it clean as though it no longer exists. He puts it completely behind Him, and it's interesting that the only times that He does that, and the only times where we are called to do that, as opposed to the other translation, which is uh, more of a putting up with each other, treating each other appropriately uh, type of forgiveness. Uh, the other one that we that we understand is God's viewpoint of how He treats sin is bound to repentance. And there are those times amongst each other where we we want to demand or invoke our right of forgiveness from other people, mm-hmm. completely independent of this concept of, of repentance. And God's not going to forgive us uh, without repentance, and we are not really called to forgive each other in that same way without repentance. You know, th- this, but we tend to treat it as though, no, I have a right to forgiveness and say, no, you have an obligation to repentance. 
is what it is. And mm-hmm. when a person comes and repents to you, you forgive them mm-hmm. as Jesus commanded Peter. You know, you forgive them every time there is repentance. And mm-hmm. yet we want to separate the two entirely. And repentance is something I do for God, and forgiveness is something you are obligated to do for me. Right. Right. And it man, it, it our interactions with each other require such humility. And that's what I think I I I think we don't like about that word forgive because it puts us in a humble position and if we weren't there to begin with then it forces us to be humble and and we either have to reject their forgiveness and say no I didn't want your forgiveness I wanted your forgetfulness I wanted you <laughs> just forget it I didn't want your forgiveness because now you're talking down to me if we weren't in a humble position then we're not in the position to receive the forgiveness and it's it's repulsive to us when somebody says you know what I forgive you and we say, well, who do you think you are forgiving me? That's that's right. that's a little extreme. Well, I, I don't need your forgiveness. Well, it's because you weren't humble. You know, you weren't on your knees. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's isn't that also what we fundamentally misunderstand about repentance? Mm-hmm. That it is supposed to be a humble submission, mm-hmm. even to each other. But of course, we're we're called to humbly submit to each other in all manner of ways, and that's really what we've rejected. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, I don't really want forgiveness from you because. Even though, even if I'm in the wrong, and even if I'm willing to acknowledge that I'm in the wrong, I don't want to humbly submit myself before you. Mm-hmm. And you that's know, what it, I, I, I like to put myself in a position of superiority, which exactly. is I, de- I demand forgiveness. Exactly, and that and that's exactly the opposite of what we're told to do. How we're supposed to consider one another as more significant than yourselves, and and even when we haven't done anything wrong, we're supposed to live that way. I'm supposed to live as if James is more significant than I am, that Sam is more significant than I am, and then when somebody has the audacity to say I forgive you. Well, then wait a second. You're not my superior. Who who do you think you are forgiving me? Well, if you truly consider them more significant than yourself and you offended them in any way, shape, or form, you'll gladly look for and appreciate and receive their forgiveness. Uh, you know, but but often we don't we don't actually consider one another more significant than ourselves. Do we ever let that uh influence our thinking of God as well? That God is being condescending mm. for his forgiveness? Do you think maybe that drives some people and how they, uh, well, I mean, obviously it does. It drives some people to to refuse God because what they really refuse is to humbly submit before him. And how ridiculous is that? God who is the creator of the universe, a God who not only created the universe, but he created He created this this earth. Not only did he create the earth, but he created... Everything that I see, he didn't just create everything that I see, he created everything that I see with. He created my brain, he created my skin, he created everything that touches and feels. And how ridiculous is it to say, I I can't submit to that being that has created me. It's ludicrous to even think that if I have a dog that bites me, that I'm not going to be mad at it. If I have a dog that is... I mean, the, in in relationship to me, I am the owner of my dog, and if I feed my dog and he bites me, what am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to either teach him not to do it, or I'm going to get a different dog. <laughs> but but in reverse, if if I mean, it doesn't make any sense that we think that it's okay to look up to heaven and say, "You're smaller than me." Well, you know, the world has has created uh, a perspective that 
the the only right we're willing to actually hold on to is that we all have the right not to ever be offended and not to ever be hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the primary thing you should always be on the lookout for. And yet, the Christian who appropriately views everyone else as greater than themselves, you are opening yourself up to offense and to mm-hmm. hurt and to being mistreated. Mm-hmm. And yet, our responses to these things are supposed to be the way God dictates, not the world, the way the world dictates our response to these things. And how how interesting that not only are we expected to open ourselves up to this type of thing, but then we also restrain our response to how God wants us to respond to these things as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, the beauty of it is that Christians are safe together mm-hmm. if we're all living up to the Christian ideal. Of course, you can never expect the world to do what God wants it to do, but in the church, in the church family, we can honestly say, yes, I am comfortable with being laid bare, with being exposed in this way. That doesn't mean I'm never going to be hurt. That never mean that doesn't mean I'm never going to be offended. But what it means is that God has given us a way to deal with this appropriately, if we're all willing to do so. Uh, would you say that it's probably one of the most swept under the rug things in most congregations is is how we forgive each other, how we repent to each other. I don't know, when's the last time you even heard someone comment on how we need to repent to each other? I've heard people ask for forgiveness of the congregation, something that they know that they've done publicly, which they know offended people, but uh, not really past that. You know, maybe, and I, I hope I'm not shifting gears, but but maybe... We what we're really looking for is what we when we repent or when we say we're repenting or we say we're asking for forgiveness or we we apologize to someone. Maybe what we're looking for is I want you, the offended, to make me the offender feel better about myself. When really that's not the attitude of repentance at all. Um, and and so it is it is rather condescending when someone says make me feel better about that. Tell me it wasn't so bad. Tell me everybody does this. Tell me that I'm I'm no worse than anybody else. Tell me that and and, and those things may be true, but that's not the gospel. The gospel, and it, it really should, like you said, it should change the way that we think about these interactions with each other. The gospel is I am a wretch and I am a worm, and what I have done is so horrendous. I deserve the penalty of death. I deserve the death penalty. My the wages of my sin is death. And I ought to be so overwhelmed with that and driven to my knees at the foot of the cross and say, Have mercy on me, a sinner. And the fact that God doesn't make me feel better about what I've done, He makes me feel better about Him. He says, I'm going to send my son to pay the penalty because you and your wretchedness can't even pay the penalty. You can't even, there's nothing you can do to erase what you have done. And I'm going to bring you into my good graces. I'm going to bring you into my fold by my grace. And and really, we, we ought to be okay with that. And as Christians, we ought to be so emptied of self. We, have, we should have such a poverty of spirit that we understand... 
we have no self-confidence. We have God-confidence. We have no self-pride. There, there is nothing of me. The, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's not, it's not my life anymore. And so I don't need you to make me feel better about what I've done. I'm a wretch. And when I come to you to repent and say, Sam, I'm so sorry I said that the other day, I don't need you to make me feel better about what I've done. I, I need you to, I, I, I need to humble myself the way I humble myself before God, seeking your forgiveness. And in a sense, I'm putting you in that, in that place, but I need to, to let it go and let you decide whether or not you will treat me the way that God has treated me and, and whether or not you will treat me the way God has treated you. And, you know, that the, the repentance and the forgiveness is, is uh, two separate obligations. Mm-hmm. And we, we act like they're interlinked, but they're not. You know, and the simple fact is, a, a lot of us will not go to someone in repentance unless we're fairly confident that they'll forgive. Right. And the truth of the matter is, I am obligated to repent of what I have done, mm-hmm. regardless of how you are going exactly. to respond mm-hmm. to it. And because that is what makes me obedient to God. That mm-hmm. is that is what I need to do. And what a ridiculous idea to want to feel better about your mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't we appropriately view our mistakes and say, no, I don't want to feel better about this. I want to be right before God mm-hmm. for this. And part of that is me humbly submitting to you with the commitment of, I have done wrong and I will not do it again. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, it, it reminds me of, once again, teaching children. And how often they will grasp the true nature of something only to have it taught out of them by our our greater understanding and our nuance. Um, you know, many years ago, uh, we, and, and, and I literally mean me and my wife, we lost one of Nathan's toys. And it wasn't just a toy, it was one of his clutches. It was the thing he had had since he was an infant, and it helped him sleep at night and all this, you know, it was a very, it was an important thing. Mm-hmm. And we accidentally threw it away because we were holding it with a bunch of other stuff and it got thrown away. And Arlie went to great lengths to try and find it again and it, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And we we were upset to a degree, but Nathan was very upset. Mm-hmm. But he was not upset with us. He was not angry at us. He was upset at what had happened. And we apologized to him. And his response was, I forgive you, Mommy, when she said that. And of course, you know, ripped your guts out with a spoon, right? (laughs) But that was his response. And the most amazing thing was that was appropriate. Because our, our first instinct would have been, come on, son, this isn't a a need for forgiveness and repentance and whatnot. It was a toy, and you'll grow out of it, and yada, yada, yada. No, it was because of how painful that was to him. Because of what? Because of his maturity level. Now, I was more mature, and I understand how he would view it now. Mm -hmm. But at the time, he understood it clearer than I did. Mm -hmm. And he demonstrated his purity of spirit. He demonstrated his innocence in that moment. And there are so many times, especially, I feel it in myself, where I don't understand the importance of repentance and forgiveness because I am the more mature Christian, and so I look at that person and say, well, you shouldn't have been upset anyway. Mm. Well, you know, if you really understood this, you wouldn't be angry at me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I need to step back and say, come on, knucklehead, you're the one who doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. 
their immaturity makes that hurt more, which is all the more reason why your maturity should drive you to humble repentance before them. Yeah. Well, isn't that what Paul, you know, talked to the church in Rome about and the church in Corinth about, about the food that they're eating and, and how knowledge puffs up, but love builds up and how often we are so puffed up with knowledge and we think, this isn't, I'm just eating a piece of meat, get over it, you know? And it's like, no, you have hurt your brother to the core and you, you must make it right with him. And what is the problem with not having forgiveness? What does it prevent? It prevents us from being able to approach the throne of God. If we can't approach the throne of God, it doesn't matter if you forgive me. If he, can, he, if I can't approach the throne of God because I don't have a right relationship with my brother, then, then I have no relationship with God, and and therefore, I am lost. That's why the Bible teaches us: go and make it right with your brother. If you're going to make a sacrifice, you realize that you have a, a conflict or a if you have a problem with your brother, if you have a relationship that's broken, you go rectify it now. And and so then, what's the qu- the question is? To what links do you go to rectify it? Paul, uh, Peter asks the question. Well, I mean, in kind of in reverse, if someone sinned against me, uh, how many times do I forgive them? In reverse, to what links should we go to for that repentance? I mean, to 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 get the forgiveness. Like, to what links should I go? I'm not saying like what work should I do to be forgiven. I'm saying. Am I going to be satisfied with just hearing, oh, it's okay? Am I gonna am I gonna allow myself to be satisfied with that when I know really what I need is, you know, I need to make a right relationship with you. I realize that I hurt you and I don't want to ever do it again. What are we gonna do? What can you help me? Can you help me repent? Can you help me straighten up my life? Can you help me go in the right direction so that you and I can walk side by side to God? I, I love what you said about uh, approaching that from the opposite direction because I I would guarantee that there are other people that feel like I do, where I have repented of uh, a sin, uh, mistreating someone, however you want to view it, and then I've made that mistake again. I've committed not to, but then I fall again, I fail again, and if I do it enough times, you get to the point where. You don't even want to ask. You don't even want to repent anymore, mm. because it's it's just heaping more onto that failure that you already feel. And you know, really, that there's that broader understanding there of you know Peter asking, "How many times do I forgive?" And I say, "Well, if that person keeps coming to you in repentance, you keep giving mm. that forgiveness." And I think what most of us would do in that situation is if I've wronged you that many times, eventually I'm just going to stop having a relationship with you altogether. I'm not going to repent anymore. You know, not let alone whether you would forgive me, but I would even stop repenting mm-hmm. because I feel so embarrassed by what I did. Mm-hmm. But that's not right either. Mm-hmm. And, and every time our pride is wounded that way, it, it shows that it's there and that it exists. And that's and that's the problem. You know, the problem is when we when we as as you said last week, I think poor contempt on all of our pride. When when we crucify our pride, and it's no longer there to be to to get in the way of our relationships, where we're willing to to say, "Man, this is humiliating," and I I know I've I've come to you and apologized before, and <laughs> I've repented before, you hmm. know, and I've said this before, but but here I am again, and I am a wretch, 
we, and I, I love what James said a minute ago. I mean, what if we asked people to mentor us? You know, what if we said, look, look, obviously I'm a mess, man. I, I keep doing this. I, I know I said I wasn't going to do this anymore. And I keep saying that, or I keep doing that. Would you walk with me? Would you mentor me? Would you take me under your wing? Help me not to do this because if I'm doing this to you, I'm probably unintentionally doing it to somebody else too. So, so man, I need you because you are such a better man than I am. Uh, but, but again, because of the existence of our pride, our sinful pride, it, it keeps us from having those kinds of relationships. Well, I mean, and and isn't that really the key? Maybe the reason we continue to sin against people and offend people and cause pain to other people is because we're constantly apologizing to people, but mm. we're never repenting. Right. You know, because an aspect of, of true repentance would be that I have that type of relationship with that person, mm. and that that person wouldn't be content to say, I forgive you, now go away. Mm-hmm. It would be, I forgive you, come here, brother. Mm-hmm. And and then you you know you live as family again, and it uh, it makes it harder to continue sinning against people when you're actually going through true repentance. A big thanks to all of our guests and to Cameron McElyea for his help in the production of this show. And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope this discussion inspires you to have these kinds of spiritual discussions with people in your life. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to discuss, please call and leave us a short voicemail at 707-238-2216. That's 707-238-2216. Remember, we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.